Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Good morning. I'm uh, Mark Pugh, Pastor Outreach and Operations, and uh, it's great to be here with you guys. It's uh, great to be here with you all in person, everybody that's online. Thank you for for joining us. Um, you know, it's it's been a little while for me. I've I've been out. I've been on a sabbatical for the last four weeks, and uh, that was a beautiful gift. It's a great gift to get some time with my family, um, to get really refreshed with the Lord. Um, but one of the things that, that really struck me about my sabbatical is I missed it here. You know, sometimes you don't really know, right? But I came back and I was just really wanting to be here. Wanting to be here last week. I visited a bunch of other churches, but I really enjoyed the worship here at the Vine. So right now, you know, we're in this sermon series. It's a third sermon in this series called I Am. Or Jesus in the book of John, he makes seven I Am statements. And uh, I was a kid and I remember hearing Muhammad Ali they, they would roll that clip. You know, he was a huge deal when I was a kid. And, and that was, I am the greatest. That was a big deal. But compared to what Jesus is saying, it's nothing. Because when Jesus is saying, I am, he's saying he is God. Jesus said, like, I, I knew Abraham. And that was crazy because Abraham lived 2,000 years before him. And so these I am statements they're practical illustrations, ones that everybody would get in Israel. And they drew people in to his teaching and the fact that he was the Messiah. So I've, I've got one for us for, for today that um, is about our passage. See, this, this is a beautiful flower, right? It's a beautiful crepe myrtle that I cut off the tree yesterday. And uh, it really is a pretty tree and a pretty flower, but this is dead. This guy's never going to bear another fruit, a flower ever, ever again. And if you guys have crepe myrtles, you know, like, you got to go prune them and shape them to take the shape you want them to have for them to be healthy. You have to cut them back. And they, they don't do that on their own. And when they're separated from the tree, from the vine, they die. And so today, we're going to see something really similar to that when we look at John 15, 5, we're going to see how we're like this branch, that we are dependent upon the Lord to bear a life that bears fruit and flourishes. So if you guys would, we're going to read John 15 verses 1 through 8. And uh, let me pray first. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this moment, Lord, that you've given us to be a church family together, Lord, I, I just I beg you to open up our ears and our minds to the what you want us to hear. Lord, as we think about being a branch and we're dependent upon you, Lord, the vine, help us to understand that. Help us to apply that and grow us today. It's in your wonderful son's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so John 15, 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, 
Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So we see in this passage, there's a lot of imagery on this, this vine um, and if you think back to the olden days, the vine was a big deal, right? The, the Israelites, they ate and drank the vine. They had a, a, a vine on the back of their coin. When they went into the temple, they had this beautiful entrance of golden vine with jewels that represented the, the grapes. They knew the vine. It was like a national pride for them. They were called a vineyard by God. It reminded them of how God had taken care of them and planted them in this beautiful homeland that they had. But there was a problem. We see this in Isaiah 5, where the Israelites, they didn't abide in God. They didn't abide in him. They didn't remove their distractions from their land. They didn't remove the false gods that were there. And this caused their relationship to sour and shrivel. And so the Israelites, they failed a lot. And we do too. We fail a lot. But today in our passage, there's hope. There's hope in Jesus that he offers us. And it's really kind of similar to the claims that we saw in the last two weeks, where two weeks ago we started this sermon series. Garrison did an outstanding job talking about how Jesus is the bread of life. That it's only, only through him that we can be fulfilled. This other bread we eat, it doesn't fulfill us. Not even that really good, soft, white bread, you know, that, that I'm no longer allowed to eat because it's not healthy. That doesn't fulfill us. But then last week, Andrew, Andrew did a great job talking about how Jesus is the light of the world. And he is all that we need. We need Jesus to come out of the darkness and to have life. So now this week, we see Jesus coming around and making another claim that he is the true vine. He is the true vine, and when we abide in him, we bear fruit. So before we get going on this, I want to remind us that John is the author of this book, and, uh, and John was an eyewitness. That was kind of a big deal. If we go look at 1 John chapter 1, we see this little uh, verse says, That which was from the beginning which we've heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. So John was there. He, he embraced Jesus. He knew Jesus. That ought to be meaningful to us. When this book, the gospel of John was written, it wasn't that many years after Jesus died. There would have been people alive that would have seen John and Jesus together. They would have been able to refute what was said here. This is history that we're talking about. And then just five chapters later in John 20, 31, we see the purpose of this passage. We see him say, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So John's writing this whole book, this gospel, so that we would believe, 
so that we would put our hope in Jesus versus these other things in our life that distract us. Okay, so if we're going to unpack, I am the vine and whoever abides in me will bear fruit. We got to first understand why do we need to bear fruit or uh, to abide in Christ. And we see this in, uh, in 15.5 says it's our main verse today. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So we can clearly see in this, in this verse, Jesus is the vine. We're the branches and we're dependent as a branch, we're dependent on the vine. We're dependent upon Jesus. We can't produce fruit without the vine. And this is actually the third time, the third reference that Jesus makes about being in the vine in this verse, this passage. He says it in verse 1. He says it in verse 4. And what I, what I think he's really saying here is, I'm the Christ. And if you want to have a relationship with Yahweh the Father, it's through me. That's the only way. That's kind of a, that's kind of a big deal. You know, as, as we think about Israel's failures and we then realize we're failing all the time too, Jesus is saying, you need me and I've got you. You're, you're going to struggle with your sin. There's a punishment coming, but I've got you. You can't save yourself, but, but I can save you. And then if we look at verse 1 and 2 and we're thinking about why we bear fruit, we see that the vine dresser, that's God the Father, he takes care of us. That helps us to, to bear fruit. These are the people that he's talking about in here that will abide in Christ. They're the ones that bear fruit. These people are the ones that let Jesus be the Lord of their life. They just don't know Jesus, that he's the Lord of their life. And then we see another group of people in this passage in verse 2. And they're the ones that are getting cut. Their branches are being cut and they're being thrown away. These are people that don't allow the Lord to be the Lord of their life. They get the eternal punishment that we all deserve. And why wouldn't it be that way? Why, why would we think that the creator of all would want to hang out with us forever and ever and be a part of his family when we don't have any desire to abide in him? And we don't want to hang out with him today. That, that doesn't make any sense. So this ought to help us answer this question. Why should we abide in Christ? It helps us to, to put our trust in Christ, knowing that everything is about him. That he does everything the vine dresser wants. He always obeys God the Father's will. And it's really through Jesus is the only way that we have eternal life. That should help us understand why we abide in Christ. But if that's not enough, we can see in verse 3 another gift that we are clean we are clean because of the word that he has spoken to us. So if you love and trust Jesus, if you have your faith in Jesus, you are in union with Jesus, with God. We're welcomed into his family. When Jesus has done all this work for us, God doesn't see our disobedience and our rebellion. God looks at us and sees Jesus' perfect love for us and his perfect life, the fact that he died on the cross and covered our sins and gave us his righteousness. This is why we abide in him. Besides, who else? Who else promises to give us everything we need? Who else promises eternal life? And all we have to do is just rest. 
Rest in him. Okay, so now we've, we've talked a little bit about why. Why do we need to abide in Christ? Let's talk about how we abide in Christ. And I think the first thing to do is just, let's handle this word abide. We think about abide. That's not a word we, we hear every day. And abide, it, it kind of means to hang out. Like it's not a short little visit. When we hang out with somebody, some translations would say remain. You know, we've defined it in the past um, as abiding as a constant conscious connection with God. You know, Jesus is telling his disciples how to be productive in life. And we can't be productive if we don't abide in Jesus. And if you think about abiding, you think, well, maybe that doesn't sound that hard. I can tell you, I think it's super difficult. Just like the people in the Old Testament, they were easily distracted with life and with the world. So are we, that we start thinking about what can help us be really successful. These other things that we go chase. It's what the Bible calls false gods. Abiding is not easy. You know, these things are ferocious competitors for our attention. A little context here. So Jesus is in the upper room and he's, he's, he's teaching and talking to and getting ready to eat or eating with his disciples. This is some of his last teaching. It's probably really, really important. And it's kind of fascinating to me that we're talking about the same story, the same teaching that they had knowing that in less than 24 hours, they're going to deny him. They're going to abandon him. Abiding is hard. You know, as we think about how we abide in Christ, how do we hang out with him? How are we constantly connected with him? We have to realize it's like everything else. We need his help to do this. It's kind of like a sailboat. We can go prep the boat. We can go clean the boat. We can go set the sail. But ultimately, we need the wind to move us. We're dependent upon him. So to help us abide in Jesus, he's given us a lot of tools. He's given us things to help us with. Means of grace where we point each other or these different activities we do remind us of God's grace and his love for us. So one of them is personal worship time. You know, our prayer life, our music, these are great ways to be brought into this refreshment of the Lord to help teach us and remind us about abiding. And then in our personal worship time, we can read his word. And, and in a past sermon on this, I thought Pastor Tim had a little, a, a little content on this I thought was really good. He says, letting the words of Jesus abide in us means allowing him to speak to us. It means that we, we welcome Jesus into our lives and make rooms for him to live not not as a silent guest with no opinions, but as an authoritative guest whose opinions matter more than anyone else's and whose commands are the law of our life. You know, other things that, that God has given us to help us learn how to abide is times of solitude. That's kind of easy for me right now because I just got back from a sabbatical. And nobody wants to have a pastor in their life that doesn't hang out with Jesus. Right, it's kind of expected for me. Um, but I'll tell you, having extended time with the Lord, I've never walked away from that and thought, man, that was a waste of my time. When we hang out with God, he rubs off on us. His characteristics kind of change us. We learn more about who he is. It can't help but to happen. It's like when you know, two buddies hang out. 
And they start talking together. They start picking up each other's mannerisms and their accents and the, the phrases they say. They change one another. This kind of leads us to we're means of grace for each other as well. We've got to remember that, that, that one-on-one mentoring or group Bible study or caring for each other, that's a means of grace where we're refreshed in the Lord. And then we even see this too in our worship service with baptism and communion. These are, these are mechanisms that the Lord has given us to know and abide and, and be refreshed in Him where we get to see and be with each other while the Lord nourishes us. So, you know, as we think about that, it's like, how do we consider in our lives what would help us grow our affection, our capacity to love the Lord? I'd ask you all to think about that. You know, for me, I've been on a a journey for the last year and a half uh, wanting to be more Holy Spirit-led. And and I have this, like, desire to say, well, i got to try a little harder to do that. Which is kind of stupid, right? Because God's got to be in that. I'm dependent upon the Lord to abide in Him, and yet I, I need to put effort into it. But I have a hard time pausing and just saying, Lord, what's next? That's abiding. So there are things that we can do to help us with that, and I encourage you guys to, to really spend some time thinking about this. Is it better for you to worship in the morning or the evening? Do you enjoy time with your friends? Do you really like worshiping music or prayer walks or whatever it is? Because our goal isn't these short visits. Our goal is to be constantly connected with the Lord. We can see that abiding is really important in our passage. You know, as we hang out with Christ, we, can, we know as he abides in us, His priorities abide. His promises abide. His principles abide in us. His commandments, they all abide in us. We see in verse 7 that uh, we have to abide for our prayers to be answered. We need to be able to abide to bring glory to God. Ultimately, we need to just be able to hang out with Jesus so He can show us how to live this life that flourishes and bears fruit We want to be able to bring Him glory. We want to be able to honor Him with everything that we are, but we really need to understand how beautiful He is first. So, okay, so hopefully we've got a handle on abiding in Christ. Let's talk about producing fruit. Again, Jesus is the vine, and when we abide in Him, we we produce fruit. So why? Why do we produce fruit? It comes from our our main verse today, verse 5. We can see... uh, that quite simply we produce fruit because we abide in Jesus. The passage says we can't produce fruit if he's not in us. And the passage says we must produce fruit if we're a part of his family, if he lives in us. You know, he is the vine, we are the branches, and we should become overwhelmed with the beauty and the love for him over what he's done for us. The fact that he died for us, that he's redeemed us, It should change our perspective of all things, knowing that that we get a little taste of what heaven can be like today because of him. And he's got a room in his house eternally for us. That should help us answer this question of why we produce fruit. But we can also see it in verse 8. If we look at verse 8, it says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So we can see one of our primary jobs as a branch is to bear fruit. 
You know, bearing fruit, it displays God's character. Bearing fruit helps to benefit those people around us. We become more and more Christ-like as we bear fruit. And, and, you know, if we're bearing fruit, you might ask, what kind of fruit is that? And I think the question is, with, with the fruit I'm bearing, is that what I would expect from Jesus? Is the fruit that's coming out of me what I would expect from Jesus? Because if it's not, it's probably worldly fruit. It's fruit that's going to go bad. It's fruit that's produced when we didn't abide in Christ. It's fruit that we produced with our heart with some other intention, not purely to bring glory to God. And so one of the questions we got to answer here is, what kind of fruit are we producing? I think we all need to answer that question. Is it fruit that we're producing that other people want to consume? Does our fruit look a little bit like this? We see this in Galatians 5. The fruits of the Spirit is <clears throat> it's love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So the last reason that we bear fruit is it helps us flourish. <clears throat> it helps us flourish in His grace. We think about bearing fruit, I, I think, man, I, I think we'd probably be a lot less. I know I would be, I'd be less stressed, worried about what other people think, worried about my successes and failures. I so, so wished that I'd known Jesus as a teenager. Man, I was out there trying to excel at everything, and I was, I was stressed. I was looking for people's approval. I was rarely ever demonstrating Galatians 5 or receiving Galatians 5 as a teenager. And I think as parents, that as we understand this, as we abide in Christ and we bear fruit, we'll be less worried about what activities our kids are doing. We'll understand God's got them. God's got a plan for our kids. We'll be less stressed out at work because we'll have an appropriate view of work. And we'll understand that God really ultimately is our provider. <clears throat> So if we go back and look at verse 2 again, we can also see from verse 2 why we bear fruit, and that's because God prunes us. <clears throat> God prunes us, and it helps us flourish. It helps us bear more and more fruit. You know, this, this act of, of pruning is where Christ cuts into our sin. He cuts into the distractions of life that so easily attach ourselves or attach themselves to us. And one of the main things that he uses to prune is through suffering. And that can hurt. That doesn't feel good. Sometimes it feels so bad. It's like God is, he's, he's pruning us and he's cutting into the branch and again and again and again. And it's like, I don't even know if he knows what he's doing. It's just a little bit like when Rhonda my bride comes up to me with the tweezers and she's getting at the air hairs. She gets two of them. I was like, that hurts. And she keeps going. And I'm like, come on. How many do I have? You know, this pruning process helps us to produce more fruit because God knows what he's doing. You know, we can trust Jesus. He's the vine. He'll take care of us. He'll weed out what is not necessary in our lives. He'll help us remove that. As we're pruned, again, we got to remember we're becoming more and more like Christ. We demonstrate his love to others. And oftentimes this comes through a season of pain like economic hardship or health problems or, or difficult relationships. Or, you know, maybe it's even a silly realization of life. I, I, uh, I got an 18-year-old and she's going to college in the fall. And I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee. 
And I can't tell you how excited I am because my child is demonstrating the Pew family values with her choice of going to the University of Tennessee, the Harvard of the South. I mean, it's awesome to see that. But then when we tell people that, there's this little nagging sensation. It's like, hey, choosing college is really important. Maybe it's a little too important. And then I have this desire to say, but you know what? She got into Georgia. And the reason why is Georgia's a really hard school to get into. And so I want people to think my kid's smart. And then I hear God pruning. He's like, what is that about? You're distracted. This college thing, why don't we make it such a big deal? And you want other people's approval? I mean, my kid wasn't going to Georgia. She has integrity. So that was never an issue. <laughs> I know this story's a little silly about college, but there's some truth in trusting Jesus, trusting him that he's got what's best for you even when you're being pruned and maybe even find a, a little joy knowing that he's doing that so that you can bear more fruit. He's doing that because he loves you. That's what he tells us. So we've answered why. Why do we produce more fruit? Let's talk about how. How do we produce this fruit? Again, our primary verse is chapter is verse 5, and we, we see that, and it kind of tells us here. It's, you know, it's, we've already mentioned we're the branch. He's the vine. So if we're going to learn how to bear fruit, what we've got to learn how to be is a branch. That's kind of hard to do for me. We got to learn that our growth comes from Jesus and what he wants for us. We grow based on what he does through us, what he tells us. We're 100% dependent upon him. Our passage tells us we can't be productive we can't bear fruit unless we abide in him. We've got to spend time with him to see how beautiful, how beautiful he is. And that will change us. You know, as we spend time with him, he'll tell us how he wants us to grow, how he wants us to change. I don't know about, about you guys again, but it's kind of hard for me. The idea of just sort of laying around, kind of just waiting. I'm a branch waiting for Jesus to grow me. That's kind of painful for me. But that's the beauty of it. We need to have childlike faith. We need to go to the Lord and, and, and slow down a little, enjoy Him, and ask for this childlike faith. When I, I think back upon the, um, you know, if you, if you look at a, a, a baby or a toddler or whatever, generally they're pretty confident their families don't take care of them. They're dependent upon their family. When, when my kids were little, um, I used to have a job of feeding them applesauce and sweet potatoes out of a little baby jar. And I'd get up and I'd be like getting fired up. Applesauce, sweet potatoes, applesauce, sweet potatoes. And they'd be like kicking and excited. You know, all they had to do was open up their mouth and I would shovel the food and go in. They were confident that they were getting some applesauce and sweet potatoes. They were, they knew it. Sometimes they'd smile and that felt like a great bearing of fruit to me. Sometimes they'd, you know, leave me a messy fruit. Didn't smell so good. The, the point is, is that we've got to stop trying to do it all on our own. We've got to rely on the vine. We've got to rely on Jesus. Here's another great quote from a Puritan. I got from an elder recently. It's, it says, they, they lived slowly enough to think deeply about God. You know, we've got to learn to abide in Jesus and to be dependent upon him. That's how we'll learn 
what is real success look like in our lives is we can slow down. We start realizing that, you know what, we can really bear fruit wherever God has us. That we're dependent upon him, that, that he's given us our work, whether that's the child that we get to raise, whether that's our wife, whether that's our job, that's a gift from him. And, and we, we, we want to do good at it. We want to bring glory to him through this work, but we've got to learn to let him drive the results. We're dependent upon him for the results. You know, if we really want to produce fruit, we got to go to God and say, Jesus, what is the fruit you want me to bear? And then we got to turn around and say, hey, Jesus, how do you want me to bear that fruit? How do I go do that? And then we go work at it really hard and we trust him for the results. That's really hard. Again, it's hard for me. It's hard because it we probably want to make it happen. We're a little nervous to let go. But um, this, this, this Bible, it's a love story. It's a love story about Jesus. The whole thing. It's about him restoring us in relationship with him and restoring all of creation. That he loved us so much he died for us. It's a beautiful story. And you know what? Jesus is the hero in the story. We're not the hero. And we need to learn that. One thing that we could do, maybe, that would help us is just to learn to celebrate more. Sometimes I struggle with that because I kind of think I, I do a good job. But instead, if every activity, everything we accomplish, that we would celebrate what God did instead of what we did, that would change our mindset, I think. So here's a few examples of, of bearing fruit. And there's millions of ways to bear fruit. Now keep in mind, again, the basic for bearing fruit is that our heart is to bring him glory. It starts with abiding in him, but it, it really doesn't have to be hard. Like it, it could be as simple as um, just honoring somebody's time, like being on time for them, thinking a little more about them and a little less about us. That, that would bear some fruit. Doing a really good job at our job, at our place of, of employment, whatever we're doing to go at it hard, that, that can bear fruit with the right heart. You know, when we smile at someone or we say an encouraging word, that's just a little taste of heaven right now. That is, is, that's bearing fruit. You know, when we spend time and we're present, we're really present and we listen. Maybe we even share the gospel. Maybe we share what Jesus has done for us. That's a way to bear fruit to others. It could even be telling someone something that's, that's really hard, but doing it in a kind and gracious way. Again, fruit, it bears the characteristic of the tree. It is visible and it's for others. So my hope for us this week is that we would take time to consider how beautiful, how wonderful Jesus is. We would take time to appreciate what he has done in our life for us and ask him to help us abide, to abide in him instead of getting distracted with the things of this world. Jesus is the vine. When we abide in him, we bear fruit. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we're thankful. We're thankful for this word that you've given us. 
Lord, this moment in time to be together, to hear your word together, Lord. Again, I, I beg you to help, help us see where you want us to go. Help us to want to abide in you. Lord, as we come together to participate in a meal together as a family, Lord, help us to want to, to search our souls for where we're distracted. Where are we being pulled away from you and what you would have for us? Encourage our hearts now, Lord. It's in your wonderful son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.